said this three weeks ago that the remainder of the study in the book of Proverbs would be all topical. Uh, and so each and every Wednesday night, we'll take a different topic and look at that and look at many different places in the Bible, in the book of Proverbs, where it talks about that. That having said, we have some stops outside of Proverbs, if you men can help us with. If you can read a scripture, raise your hand. Brother Jeff, if you'll take 1 Timothy 1.10. 1 Timothy 1.10. Brother Lou, can you do Titus 1, 9 and 10? Titus 1, 9 and 10. And then, Brother Lou, if you would please, Titus 2, 1. Uh, Titus 2, 1. Um, Brother Andrew, can you do, can you just camp in James 3 for us? We have a couple, huh? All right, that's my favorite book. Good. All right. So if you just kind of turn to James 3 and just camp there for a while. Uh, another men, can you help us? Brother Levi, uh, Ephesians 4, 3. Ephesians 4, 3. One more. Men, if you can help us. One more. Brother Danny, Leviticus 19, 16 and 11, 13. Leviticus 19, 16, and 11, 13. The rest of us, we're going to be turning to a lot of uh, scriptures in the book of Proverbs. I want to talk to you tonight about a matter of life and death. Whenever we hear that said, we think, boy, whatever's going to be said is very serious. Uh, if you look at Proverbs 18, verse number 20, 21, watch what the Word of God says. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Are our words a matter of life and death? Amen. They certainly are. Judge can speak a few words, and a person either goes to prison or is set free. And we see this happening all over our country. A cynical professor can speak and shatter the faith of a young person. How many times I've seen this as pastor, some of our young people that grew up in church, many of them graduated from Christian schools, they go off to postgraduate uh, education and, and cynical professors and godless professors tear down the faith of that young boy or that young girl. Powerful are the words. Somebody said this, for every word in the book that Hitler wrote, Mein Kampf, 125 lives were lost in World War II. For every word in that book, 125 lives were lost in World War II. It is, it is no wonder that James compared the tongue to a deadly poison and a dangerous fire. Brother Andrew, can you read James 3, 5 through 8? James compares the tongue to a deadly poison. Thank you, Brother Andrew. All right, now, we want to look at four things tonight out of Proverbs concerning the tongue. All right, four main points. I want you to look at chapter 16, verse number 11. We would say this, first of all, speech is an awesome gift from God. Kathy, I was thinking about this as this lesson was coming together, and the people that you minister to that come here and the deaf, what a wonderful thing speech is, and that you can hear precious words. And ladies, let me ask you this. Do you remember the first words 
of your children? Remember the first words? Are they not precious to you? They all, the first words of every child, male or female, ought to be dada. Should be, right? Uh, I'm not sure that's how it works, but you think about that. Speech is an awesome gift of God. Chapter 16, verse 11. Um, we looked at this last week and we're looking about finances. Uh, this is not uh, just weight and a balance are the Lord's. All the weight of the bags uh, are His work. Uh, oh, back up to verse number Verse number 10, a divine sentence is in the lips of the king. His mouth transgresses not in judgment. Now, think about this. Language is not a cultural artifact. It is a distinctive piece of biological makeup of our brains. We are made to communicate. Can I say this to you, men? Ladies need, if you're married, one of the greatest things you can do is spend some time and just talk to your wife. All right, Kathy, plug your ears. <laughs> You're probably thinking, man, I wish I had some of that. Uh, yeah, honestly, it, it truly is. And so conversation is some time to, uh, to some time to speak. When God created Adam and Eve, he gave them the ability to speak to each other and to communicate with God himself. Does it not say in chapter 2 and then leading up to chapter 3 in Genesis that God would come down in the cool of the day and he would speak to Adam he would walk with Adam, and they would talk together. What a great thing language is. Um, God spoke to Adam about life in the garden. He shared this with his wife, Eve. And Adam was able to name all of the animals and even give a descriptive name to his wife. Satan used those words to deceive in that communication, to deceive first Eve and then Adam. He used communication in words. So the Garden of Eden was a place of communication with God and man. It was the, the starting point of communication, of speech, and of language. Wise words are compared to gold and silver. Look in your Bible at chapter 10 in Proverbs in verse number 20. Proverbs 10 in verse number 20. The tongue of the just is a choice silver. The heart of the wicked is little worth. And then also in Proverbs chapter 25. Uh, I think about this. I would pray that this is all of our prayers, that our tongue would be like that choice silver. Chapter 25 and verse number 11 and 12, it says, A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pictures of silver. As an earring of gold and an ornament of fine gold, so is a wise reprover upon an obedient ear. What a, what a wonderful thing to say the right words and Heal a broken spirit. Look at chapter 16, verse number 24. I'm saying this to you as we mentioned Brother Ehard and we mentioned uh, uh, Phil and Mary Wolford. And I, I think about this. Please understand this. I've done this for years. I still do this today. And yet God has taught me something. Before I go into, if it's a very a delicate surgery and it could be life-threatening, I always pray before I walk into the hospital and ask God to give me just the right words to say to that person. Uh, and I want to say the right thing. Can I say this to you? Before you write some words down in a card or a, a one of the prayer cards and you send it to Phil or Mary or Paul and Nancy or George and Fern or whoever it might be, Helen Rushing, or, can I say this to you? Ask the Lord for direction and wisdom, what to put down. Look in your Bible, if you would, chapter 16. Look at verse number 24. Pleasant words are as a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and health to the bones. Look at chapter 18. And verse number 20, these are words and language that all of us as Christians 
should desire in our own life. Verse 20, a man's belly shall be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth and with the increase of his lips shall be filled. The Apostle Paul encouraged this healthy teaching in Bible doctrine. He called it sound teaching. First uh, Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 10. Brother Jeff. We did, uh, to sound doctrine. Okay, good. Titus, Titus 1, 9. Men, who has that? Titus 1, 9, and then Brother Lou 2, 1. Holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught, that he may be able to sound doctrine, able by sound doctrine both to exhort and convince the gainsayers. For there are many unruly and blind talkers and deceivers, especially they Okay, so look at this communication. The Apostle Paul tells Timothy, when you speak, when you teach, speak and teach sound doctrine. All of the time, if it's Brother Bill, it's myself, it's Brother Fine or Brother Rogers or Brother Bliss or whoever's speaking here, a guest speaker, oftentimes in a lesson, our own thoughts will come out. I appreciate this when a speaker sometimes will say this, this is Rogersology. I can't base it on the Word of God. I believe it to be true. But when we teach and preach, and do you not come to hear, thus saith the Lord. That's what warms your heart. That's what guides us. I, I believe this. The words of Jesus were like healthy, wholesome words that brought healing to men. Do you believe that? I believe the words of Jesus brought healing to men. And the Christian who recognizes how awesome uh, how awesome uh, the words will be, will not abuse their speech, but rather use it for the glory of God. I believe that all of us, uh, Psalm 19, 14, I don't know, Brother Tom, if this is still on your answering service. It's been one of my prayers for many years. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Uh, and I pray that we look at all what a wonderful gift of speech that God has given to us to communicate. What a wonderful thing that you can, you can speak words and share the gospel with somebody who doesn't know Christ as Savior. You can lift a burden. So we look at one thing. God has given us this great gift of speech and communication. Number two, speech can be used to do good. Look at chapter 15 and verse number one. Words can bring peace instead of war. Proverbs 15, 1, a soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. Now, he's not saying soft. In other words, it's not like this. Your mother wears army boots. That's not soft speech. It means the words that we use are not biting. All right? So soft speech. Uh, look, at look at verse 18. Chapter 15, verse 18, a wrathful man stirreth up strife. How? How? By what they say. But he that is slow to anger appeases strife. How? By using soft words. Choose your words. There ought to be some times we just zip it. Right? And not say what's on our heart. Well, I just had to give them a piece of my mind. Well, be careful. There may not be a lot left. Be careful about doing that. 
If there is hatred and war in the heart, then our words will become destructive missiles instead of healing medicine. I think about this, and I don't understand, and I've heard it here. And if there's anything that bothers me as pastor, when I see somebody in this church say something, one of those heated missiles towards another person in this church, a lady to a lady, a man to a man, do you know, and I sense this, and I think about this each and every time on a Sunday morning, Sunday night primarily, but also on Wednesday night. Do you know we have people that come to this service, and they got a smile on their face, and they're dressed just fine, but they came here with a burden. And you could lift that burden if you chose those words, those healing words. James 3.14, Brother Andrew, if you'd take that, James 3.14. And then whoever has Ephesians 4.3, men, if you'd have that ready. Brother Andrew, James 3 and verse number 14. But if ye have bet, uh, bitter envy and strife in your heart, glory not, and lie not against the truth. So watch it. James talks about, and Brother Andrew just read in about six, six or eight verses prior to that, that our speech can be like poison. And then he, now James is going down to the heart. Benjamin Franklin said it this way, what is down in the well is going to come up in the bucket. When we say something like this, I'm sorry, I didn't mean that. Yes, you did, because it was down there. And so be careful with that, Ephesians 4, 3. Should we do that? And how do we do that? By our speech, earthly wisdom advises us to stick up for our rights and make every situation a win or lose situation. But heavenly wisdom advises us to seek a win-win situation. There's going to be some things, whether it's politics, whether it's, it's, it's whatever, finances, politics, relationships, doctrine, we're going to differ. Somebody said it this way. If our agreements are more than our disagreements, we can and should have fellowship. But some people get together and they automatically want to talk about the things that divide us. And I don't think we ought to do that. Number two, our words can help restore, there's a blank to fill in there, those who have fallen into sin. Look at chapter 25. Chapter 25, we spoke about this uh, Sunday a bit. 25 is verse number 12. As an earring of gold and an ornament of fine gold, so is a wise reprover upon an obedient ear. Look at chapter 28 and verse 23. Words can help restore those who have fallen into sin. 28 and 23. He that rebuketh a man afterwards shall find more favor than he that flattereth with his tongue. It isn't easy to reprove those who are wrong. But if we have the right spirit, we will do it and we'll respond when we ourselves are reproved. Every one of us has been reproved. I told you before about a pastor, and I mean this honestly, not, I'm not uplifting myself, but I never took a job and uh, served as an associate pastor with three other pastors. I never served those men without thinking, I want them pleased with my work. I, want them, I don't want them to, uh, to call me at, at noon and think I'm ho at home eating bonbons or I'm just, they got to drive me. I don't know, Brother and Mrs. Miller, as, as, as business uh, uh, and Brother Jeff and some of you self-employed or you've run a business before, would you rather not rein somebody in than to whip them and drive them? Because they would. But I think about this, only, to my knowledge, only one time any of the men that I've worked for and a faithful pastor came to me and he said, Brother, 
I think you're backing off. You're kind of slacking. And it convicted me like I had never been told that in my life. I remember that night going to my office. And at first I got a little bit upset at him and thought, you know what? When you're home, I'm still up working. But then I got to thinking he was 60-some years old, almost 70. He'd earned the right. And I went and remember going to my office and getting down on my face and say, Lord, teach me the truth of that matter because I don't want to slack. And so sometimes we're reproved. And if we've got the right spirit, we should, re, we should accept that. Here's another blank. I believe this with all of my heart. People will not care how much you know until they know how much you care. In Matthew 18, Jesus gives us the steps to restore someone who's fallen. We don't have time to cover that tonight. But if somebody has fallen, we're talking about sometimes God uses our communication, our speech to help somebody who's fallen. We are to go privately. If they don't receive that, then we take somebody else from the church. And if they don't receive that, we take an elder in the mouth of two or three witnesses, a thing to be established. And then we may have to come to the place, if it's public and open, that we'll have to deal with it as a church. And what was private has to become public. You can read that about Matthew 18. We're not going to cover it tonight uh, about how to do that. All right, number three, we look at this. Our words can instruct the ignorant. Can I say this to you? I, uh, we have to, sad to say, but my wife and I have some major, major work that is being done on our house. And some engineers came out, looked at it, and I said, fellas, asked them about some of the things that were going on. I said, listen, I understand there's a difference in being ignorant and being stupid. And I'm not stupid about this, but I am ignorant. I don't know what you men know. Help me to understand and see what's here. So does that make sense to you? Ignorant means I don't want to learn and you can't teach me. Uh, I mean, stupid means that. Ignorant just means I don't know the facts. Help me. All right, so look at this. We say this. Our words can, be, uh, can instruct the ignorant. Chapter 15, verse 7. Uh, the lips of the wise disperse knowledge. But the heart of the foolish doth not so. Look at chapter 16 and verse number 21. The wise in heart shall be called prudent, and the sweetness of the lips increaseth learning. Uh, and so while there are many good and right things we can learn here on earth, I think about this. Look at chapter 4. This is the theme. This is the uh, uh, primary verse in the book of Proverbs in the study of chapter 4, verse number 7. There are great many things. Aren't you glad when you go through a week and you learn some things? You know what? I, I don't want to gross you out, but this might gross you out. I went up to Denver when Brother Zane had his surgery. And they, I had been there previously, and it, what was supposed to be three-and-a-half-hour surgery ended up being five-and-a-half hours. Took some study books, took my iPad, went down to a place, got a cup of coffee, just did some work. Went back up to the room. He wasn't back yet. So then we go back to the room. And I had brought some things from his house, and they were there. But there was, a, there was a gallon plastic bucket with a lid on the bench. And he said, Pastor, what did you bring me? I didn't bring you anything. He said, well, what's in there? I said, I don't know. And he said, would you open it, please? I should not have done that. The parts they took out of him were in that bucket, just like they took him out. I talked to the surgeon because... Fern was having some difficulty understanding. I didn't know this. And if Stephanie were here, she's a nurse, and Mrs. Duncan and others, I think, LaVey. I said to him, I said, why did they have to do this? They've done this before on him in Pueblo. And he said, number one, they put the wrong hip in. Not in Pueblo, no. Uh, anyway, put the wrong hip in. But then secondly, they, he said this, it was so infected 
that it was oozing out his skin. He was terribly infected. And I remember when, and some of you might remember, uh, he went back into core when they gave him uh, intravenous, uh, just antibiotics, just really pumped him full, and they still couldn't heal. And I asked the surgeon why, because now in the new hip, they have some pieces in there that have antibiotic in them that just dissipate throughout time. He said this, he said, understand this, you can't, antibiotics are worthless with something that does not have blood can get into it, can't get blood into metal. And I didn't know metal could become infected in the body. That whole hip joint was infected. And I thought so. I learned something from a surgeon. He said, you can't get blood to that, to that metal part. And so if you get an infection in there, we can't heal it. But aren't you glad when you learn something? Aren't you glad you just think about that and our antenna always ought to be up? But think about this. Our words can instruct the ignorant. Um, well, the greatest thing, many things we can learn. The greatest thing we can learn on earth is the word of God. Look at chapter 4, verse 7. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And with all thy getting, get understanding. I'm witnessing to a Catholic man now. And I, boy, staunch, staunch Catholic. And I see him a couple times a week over coffee. And, and he told me some things about Korea and the war in Korea I never knew. Just didn't understand it. And boy, I could sit there and just listen to him all day long. But I think about this, as much as I learned about some war in Korea and what happened and what America did and what we didn't do and, and, and all of that, and I learned some things. The greatest thing I learned this week has come from the Word of God. And the greatest thing you can learn will come from the Word of God. Number four, our words can rescue the perishing. Look at chapter 14, verse number 25. What a wonderful thing it is for us to open our mouth and share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ with someone. Chapter 14 and verse number 25. A true witness does what? Delivereth souls. But a deceitful witness speaketh lives. An accused criminal in Israel could be condemned on the testimony of two or three witnesses. If the case involved a capital crime, the witness had to be first one to cast a stone. Uh, maybe that's why Deuteronomy chapter 17, we won't have time to turn there tonight. But that one, one of the first witnesses had to be the one that cast the first stone. Do you remember what Jesus did when they said, we caught this woman in adultery? Do you remember what Jesus said? I honestly believe that those men knew that they were guilty of not only adultery, but possibly adultery with that same woman. Nobody could cast the first stone. So you understand that? If our testimony could save an innocent person from punishment and you refuse to speak, your silence would be a terrible sin. I'm so burdened. I don't watch this. I kind of stay plugged in as I'm going throughout my day. I believe we had false testimony given at the house hearing today. Amen. I believe that with all of my heart. And yet the news media and Adam Schiff ran with this and couldn't wait to get a press conference and talk about, we got it, we got it, we got the, what we're going to impeach the president over. What they didn't report is what Ambassador Sundland said. The president never asked me. Matter of fact, it was quite the opposite. I want no quid pro quo. I want nothing. All I want from a Ukrainian leader is for him to step up and do the right thing. They don't report that. You're not going to hear that on tonight's news. Because what bleeds leads. 
And that's what bleeds. In a, in a, but I, I'm burdened for our country and about where we're going to go. If our testimony could save an innocent person, and the testimony up to this point, I think all of the testimony has been there's no reason to impeach a, pres a sitting president here. And yet they're going to go forward with it. But child of God, think about this. If we hold our tongue, do we have the answer to a lost and dying world with the gospel of Jesus Christ? Is it the greatest news that man can hear? And so if we hold our tongue and we do not tell and witness to somebody that the Lord sent our way, are we not as guilty? Number five, our words, here's a blank to fill in, can encourage those who are burdened. Encourage them. Chapter 12 and verse number 25, our words can encourage heaviness in the heart of a man maketh it stoop, but a good word maketh it glad. I'm kind of morbid, I know. Sometimes as pastor, and Brother Bliss, you understand this. Brother Bill, you understand this. Sometimes as pastor, you can't speak about your burdens to other men in the church. You can't. You just got to take them to the Lord. One years ago, there was something going on in our church. I don't even remember to this day what it was, but I was burdened. And I decided to call a friend. We didn't talk about it, but he sensed in my voice. He said, all right, Brother Rogers, what's wrong? I said, who said there was anything wrong? He said, I know you. What's wrong? And I just gave him a little peek. And then he laughed. I said, you rascal, you laughed. I called you, and you laughed. He said, I'm going to give you a bit of advice. He said, don't worry about it, preacher. They can't eat you. Cannibalism's been outlawed. And it changed my focus. Here I've been zeroing in on the problem, problem, problem. And he says, preacher, don't worry about it. They can't eat you. Cannibalism's been outlawed. I remember going up and saying, isn't that great counsel? That's not really good counsel. <laughs> Whatever it is, you can say something that will help someone. The British Royal Navy had a regulation that reads, now I want you to listen to this. No officer shall speak discouragingly to another officer in the discharge of his duties. When you come Sunday morning, if you've got a beef against a Sunday school teacher, a pastor, a teacher, a preacher here, they're in the, I think about this, they are in the discharge of their duties. Can we not wait till the service is over to get after them? Can I encourage you to do something? This will help me. If you've got some bad news, don't give it to me Sunday morning, Sunday night before church. Let me have it Sunday night after church. But I mean that honestly. I, I, I think sometimes we come here and I want to see you uplifting and, and uplifting a burden with somebody that's coming that has a burden. we got enough burdens to go around for four or five churches. How about this? How about a church full of Barnabases? What does it mean, Barnabas? Son of encouragement. None. <laughs> son of encouragement. Who is son of none? Joshua? <laughs> Isn't it? Who's son of none? I don't remember. I think it's Joshua. <laughs> I think it is, isn't it? Son of encouragement. How about that? One famous pastor said this. Listen, if I had to do it all over again, I would preach more to broken hearts. Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. I want all of us as a church and a pastor and a people to be Barnabases and, and burden lifters. And sometimes we're going to have to address the hard things. But understand, just like the British Royal Army, not when somebody's in the discharge of their official duties. Number three, 
Speech can be used to do evil. Chapter 12, verse 19. Here's how the devil can use our speech and to do evil. Number one, we hurt others by lying. Chapter 12, verse 19. The truth, the lip of truth shall be established forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. Verse number 22 says, Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but they that deal truly are his delight. Solomon warned us about bearing false witness against another, which breaks the ninth commandment. When our words of our leaders cannot be trusted, and I think about this, we have right now a party in our country, the words of our leaders cannot be trusted. And we look at the young people here, and, and we look at a, a country that's coming up behind you. And we realize now we can't trust the words of our leaders. You can keep your doctor in your hospital if you choose. Was said eight years ago. True or false? False. What do we say about this? About when it can be used when our words of our leaders cannot be trusted, our society falls apart, contracts are useless, promises are vain, the judicial system becomes a farce. It is a basic rule of life that ears hear what the heart loves. Are you with me? Our ears hear what our heart loves. Adam Schiff today heard what his heart loves. Hatred for the president. Got it? Our ears hear what our heart loves, so beware of people who have an appetite for lies and gossip. Chapter 24, if you look there, please. And I pray that, that you are not one in this church. Can I say this to you? Oh, be so careful what you do, what you put, what you tweet, what you put on Facebook. This is not in the lesson at all, but I encourage this happened a couple times. Please don't do this. Don't ever announce the death of somebody we're praying for on Facebook. Twice that's happened. The family found out through somebody in our church on Facebook announced it before they heard. Don't do that. Look at chapter 24 and verse number 26. Every man shall kiss his lips that giveth a right answer. People who feed on gossip. Oh, we finished that statement. It is a basic rule of life that ears hear what the heart loves. So beware of people who have an appetite for lies and gossip. Honesty is not only the best policy, it's the only biblical policy. Number three, or number two, we hurt others by gossiping. Leviticus 19. Men, who has that? Brother Danny, I think we have, you have two stops in Leviticus. Eleven thirteen, please. I don't know why we got that one in there. Somehow we did. All right, so think about this if you would. Be careful with that. People who feed on gossip only crave more, and the only remedy is for them to develop an appetite for the Word of God. Number three, we hurt others by insincere flattery. Look at chapter 29 and verse number 5. If, it, if you mean it in your heart, it's not insincere. A man that flattereth his neighbor spreadeth a net for his feet. I know this is kind of cynical, 
I don't know if it's in your notes. When I was studying, I read it. I was talking to Kathy about it. Someone has said that a man who pats you on the back is the one trying to locate a soft spot to stick the knife. Be careful. I'm not going to say what I'm going to say. All right? Be careful that. Number three. Number four. We hurt people when we speak in anger. Chapter 29. And verse number 22, we hurt people when we speak in anger. Verse 22, an angry man stirreth up strife. We read that. A furious man, furious man aboundeth in transgression. Look at chapter 26 and verse number 21. 26, 21. As coals are to burning coals and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. I've said this and said it and said it, never read it in a book. I've just thought it to be true. I've seen this in church. Every one of us, there's always a fire going in every church. Every church got little fires going. Every church. You can either pour water on it or you can pour gas on it. May I encourage you to pour water on it? All right. Because number three, or number four, lastly, only God can help us use the gift of speech for His glory. I didn't give somebody, let's all turn together. Psalm 141, please. Psalm 141. Only God can help us use our speech for His glory. Don't you want to do that? I was thinking about this, and I'm not trying to uplift myself because this ought to be a common thing instead of a rare occurrence for, for me as pastor, myself as pastor. I tried to yield myself to the Lord each and every day and ask Him to direct my steps, my thoughts, my attitude, and my heart. I told you about this before. One time we were taking a bunch of school kids, Christian school kids, tubing and sledding. And young man that graduated from the school I barely knew had a chase vehicle. Baptist buses need chase vehicles. Sure enough, the bus broke down. Brother Dave, we get the kids going. Can you take us in? And I was just... Just small talk. I said, Brother Dave, talking about it. His dad was a, is a doctor of pharmacology, a renowned man, one of the top 100 pharmacologists in America, go to the United States government, receive huge grants, uh, was the premier author of fetal alcohol syndrome in America, learned, learned man. He wanted all his kids to follow in his footsteps, but his son had surrendered to the gospel ministry. But he got a full presidential scholarship to the University of New Mexico. That's about a quarter of a million dollar scholarship. So we went to university. We're talking. We're going into town. I said, Brother Dave, tell me about your learning experience. He said, Pastor, every class they tear down my faith. If it's a math class, they tear down my faith. I said something to him. I said, Brother Dave, do you want to get married one day? Yeah. I said, where are you going to find a wife? Just small talk. I don't know. Any Christian, you have 20,000 people at University of UNM. You met a Christian girl there? Not one. I'm sure there are. And within a matter of a very short time, that young man laid aside a full presidential, full right scholarship and went to Bible college and paid his own way. I said, Brother Dave, what are you doing? He said, Brother Rogers, that conversation we had on the mountain convicted me. God called me to preach. I didn't know that. God called me to preach years ago, and I'm going to be a doctor to follow my dad's footsteps. But God called me to preach. 
Thank God for Brother Reyes now in Albuquerque, New Mexico. What a fine work he's doing. I could tell you again and again how that sometimes I desire God to use my speech, not when I'm teaching or preaching necessarily, but when I'm just living life. Psalm 141, look at this if you would in verse number 3. Would you read this together, please? Set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. Keep the door of my lips. There's a great lesson to learn here. If we devote our heart to serious study of the Word of God, even when we're sharing the truth with others, God will teach us more of His truth. Is that not true, Brother Bliss? Is that not true, Brother Bill? Brother Andrew, you're teaching, and I know you're teaching a finances class, but it's based on the Word of God. And you think, I'm studying so I can give something. And boy, God taught me something. Brother Stephen, is that not true? How good. And God could use and does use it. Let the, uh, let's, and I want to end tonight, Proverbs 18, with two verses. One of the things I didn't get to, but let me encourage you with this. The Bible says, and I don't remember just right. If somebody knows where this is in Proverbs, maybe you can direct me. He that answereth a matter before he heareth it, it's folly and shame unto him. Let's be careful about casting judgment on people or places or organizations. We think we know we got the answer. We don't have all the answer. Be careful. Look, I want to end with two, word, two verses. Proverbs 18, 21. Would you read this together? Started as tonight. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Now go back to chapter 10. And look at verse number 11. We'll close tonight. Chapter 10, verse number 11. The mouth of a righteous man is a, what? Well of life. But violence covereth the mouth of the wicked. Okay, tomorrow, next day, next day, next day, if God tarries is coming, Lord tarries is coming, this tongue can be used for good or bad. We can stir up strife. We can put it out. We can gossip or we can bless. We can lie or we can tell the truth. A lot of what we learned tonight, you can understand why Solomon would say it's a matter of life and death. What is the difference? Now, let's do this. Would you do this this week before Sunday? Would you ask the Lord someone that you can be a blessing to, call them? Write them, speak to them, and let them know, and don't, don't use flattery. Let them know what a blessing they are to you. Be a blessing. Be an encouragement. Father, help us tonight. Thank you.